There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So as the uh, airplane headed into the Fort Lauderdale International Airport this morning, you know how you get that feeling in your stomach of like, be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. And I had a wonderful time. We had a great time, with the exception of the usual nonsense that goes on when you travel, and in particular when you travel to the uh, absolutely bluest state in the Union. I think it's bluer than New York and Chicago. It's just in Illinois. It's just blue, 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 blue. And just, um, although I must admit, and, you know, I always slam... California and Los Angeles and San Francisco, but it seemed to me that the homeless population was herded into smaller areas, uh, except for the fact that there was a homeless person who set up in the driveway of my son's multi-million dollar house. Well, other than that, I didn't see a whole lot of homeless people everywhere. They're there, but there's like little enclaves. So that was good. And, you know, and the idea that you get so locked up in your own bubble that you don't know what's going on in the rest of the country is really kind of critical. And my producer, Sharina, and I were just discussing that, that it's important for me to get out of Florida every now and again. Because here in Florida, you would think that the only race happening right now is between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, right? This is the race that we talk about constantly. This is the race that I'm obsessed about. This is the race that my friends are obsessed about. And then you go out to California, and they don't know who the heck Ron DeSantis is. And if they do know who he is, they say things like, oh, he's anti-gay. We could never have a president like that. (laughs) So it's like we are sort of, you know, living in a bubble, that doesn't extend over the whole country. So I've made up my mind, both my husband and I have made up our minds, we're going to do more traveling this summer than we've done. We're going to do more traveling, period. Um, But I'm going to broadcast live like I did from L.A. because I think it's fascinating when I'm in other places. You know, I noticed that a lot of radio personalities, because we now have the incredible technology that you can just pick up your computer and a microphone and go wherever you want. And you can broadcast as if you were sitting in the same studio that you're sitting in weekdays, right? Or normally. So we're going to do a lot more of that. I'm going to go to places, uh, you know, places that I'm kind of familiar with, but where things are very different, like red Kentucky and uh, blue New York and... um, purple Maine, just going to go places and have that experience of what is the rest of the country thinking? Because, you know, you would think that it would be a very big story, this debt ceiling fight that's taking place in Washington right now. If for no other reason, then it is a California 
congressman who is the Speaker of the House right now. You know, McCarthy comes from California. And of course, all we're hearing, oh, oh, I got to tell you the other thing that they're saying in, in California, that gay Floridians are leaving in droves. Now, I, you know, I, um, I have a number of friends who are gay, really, you know, more than a number. I, I got to, you know, tell you right now, I have a, probably just as many close personal friends that are gay as that are straight. How about that? Because I'm no longer, you know, at the age where I go to baseball games and take my kids to soccer practices. So I hang out with adults and interesting adults, adults with uh, passion, adults who do important things, adults who have always um, you know, had lives beyond children. So I do have a lot of straight and a lot of gay friends. And I haven't noticed that any of them are leaving, never mind in droves. Uh, this was a headline in a California newspaper and in a Los Angeles uh, headline that said, Pride Organizer, uh, Lake County Pride Organizer. Now, first and foremost, Lake County is the least... Uh, indicative of what's happening in the state of Florida of probably any county. I mean, now if you told me Broward County, you know, uh, whatever this person is considered, pride group, um, says that gays are leaving in droves, I would be very uh, kind of concerned about that because Fort Lauderdale in and of itself is, I think, like a mecca for businesses that cater almost exclusively to gays, right? Whether it's, you know, clubs and, and Airbnbs and, uh, in Wilton Manors and Victoria Park. I mean, come on. If they told me that they were fleeing in droves from Broward County, I would be very concerned, but I don't think anybody's leaving. Why would they leave? Ron DeSantis isn't coming for them. I know that it, that plays really well everywhere else, but it doesn't play really well here because we don't see anything like that happening. Nobody's shutting down um, adult entertainment. Now, what we are asking is that people stop inflicting all of this LGBTQ information, I call it propaganda, you can call it whatever you want, on little kids, that's all. Don't bring it up in kindergarten. Is that too deep for you? You know, if you're a pride group and you're big, uh, you know, bone to pick with Governor DeSantis is that he would prefer they do not have drag queens reading children's stories. Well, then guess what? It's okay if you leave. How about that? But I don't know any people who think that. Of all of my friends who are uh, gay, uh, I, don't, I don't really have any friends who call themselves non-binary, but maybe they do, I don't know. Not one of them has articulated to me that they think children before the age of 18 should be given hormone blockers or have body parts lopped off. None of them agree with that. They, they think it's crazy. They really do. And I think they feel as though 
they have been hijacked by this so-called transgenderism movement, which I don't think is a transgenderism movement at all. I just think it's, uh, you know, it's kind of a Marxist, let's just destroy the nuclear family movement. But for the most part, you know, I know lots of people. And by the way, I know lots of gay people who have children. How about that? Some have children of their own from uh, before they decided that they wanted to, uh, you know, be gay. Some have children that they adopted together. And they don't want their kids being groomed in elementary school. How about that? You know, I saw there was an article by a very uh, big activist, uh, an LGBT activist. And she was with Riley Gaines, who is the uh, young lady who feels as though she has been ripped off from winning competitions and, you know, because uh, males are allowed to compete against her. So I saw this thing. Uh, Riley Gaines was, you know, talking with a activist, a, a gay rights activist, and the activist says, hey, I'm not down with this stuff. I'm really not. I'm starting to get the feeling that this is being used to basically, uh, you know, groom children. It's okay if you are a, a gay adult. I don't think anybody in America right now is coming for you. You know, even religious groups. They're just trying to welcome you in and see if, uh, you know, if there's something that, uh, that, that we should talk about together. We also, you know, are beginning to see how the idea that you're going to let men compete with women in some of the most bizarre sports. I mean, swimming was one thing. That's where Riley Gaines was. But now... You're seeing this in, in, in boxing. You're seeing it in um, running. Now, come on. This is not fair. And the idea that we're supposed to sit by and because we don't want to be called, uh, you know, homophobic or transphobic or anything else, nonsense. How about I'm just going to tell you that the, the, if it had not been for Title IX, there's a whole lot of women who never would have been to college. My hand is up. I'm one of them. Okay? It's enough already. You guys have truly gone to such extremes over this that nobody is on your side anymore. How about that? Nobody's on your side anymore. You, you look at what happened this weekend. I was away. If you go to California right now, They've closed one target. They have one target where everything is behind locks. You literally have to get a store clerk to open up a locked cabinet if you want anything. And I'm not just talking about things that we're used to seeing behind locked cabinets like razor blades for some reason, but everything. You know, you want uh, a bra, you got to get somebody there to open up the, the cabinet because of the amount of theft and because of all this nonsense. So of course, what does Target decide to do after watching how Dylan Mulvaney's Budweiser behavior ended up literally tanking Budweiser stock, 
pushing Budweiser into a position of having to, you know, buy things back and, and, and I don't know, provide free beer, I guess, to people. And so what does Target go and do? It hires a bunch of uh, satanic LGBT companies. Now, it's not bad enough that it's a onesie for a baby that's promoting transgenderism and non-binarism and all that. That's not bad enough. No, no, no. Some of them are satanic. And what did Target hope to accomplish with that? I'm still trying to figure out how big a market is there for satanic transgendered onesies. Like how many moms you know are gonna buy that? I have to go to a baby shower in a couple of weeks and I, I have no desire to buy a onesie that's got a, a, a muted a rainbow flag on it because apparently the muted rainbow flag is the transgender flag. I didn't even know that, but now thanks to Target, I know that. Um, but I... I, that's not on my shopping list, you know? I, I happen to know that the baby's a boy. I'm going to be buying them, uh, you know, like a future uh, Hall of Famer onesies or uh, I'm this cute because my dad is handsome or, you know, I love my mom onesies. I'm not buying a, you know, a, a, a onesie to put on an infant that promotes, you know, nonsense. But hey. Apparently, somehow, Target thought this was a good idea. You know, just like Anheuser-Busch thought it was a good idea. Not, not a good idea, my friends. But hey, what can I tell you? We now find out Target also donated a ton of money to Glisten, which of course has been around forever. The uh, Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network They've gotten more than $2 million from Target to advance its mission of creating affirming, accessible, and anti-racist spaces for LGBTQIA students. This marks our 11th year of partnership with a total of $2.1 million to date. How do you think that's going to work for the uh, people who are now staying away from Target? And then Target blames the people who are staying away. Oh, they were violent. They were coming after. We're taking these uh, items out of the store because they were assaulting our, our sales staff. Nonsense. They weren't assaulting their sales staff. They were just expressing their displeasure with this crazy nonsense. We have got to express our displeasure because we didn't for a long time. And guess what? We emboldened them and they just don't know when to stop. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, our 850 WFTL app. I had that on my phone. I was able to listen to everything no matter where I was. Um, also, participate in contests. You could do that at our website, 850WFTL.com. I'm going to take a quick break. Back in the saddle here in Florida. I will be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, and so, of course, I have to talk about 
what's going on in Washington because I have to talk about it, even though I'm not going to make much sense to you because I'm just angry and I haven't completely seen it all. I don't think anybody has except maybe the members um, and the House Freedom Caucus chairman, Scott Perry, out of Pennsylvania, said that uh, it's too early to uh, threaten the deal. But the threats are coming in already. There was a House Freedom Caucus call last night where Representative Ken Buck from Colorado said, now's the time to use the motion to vacate. Now, remember when they were negotiating whether Kevin McCarthy would be the speaker? And they said, you have to allow any member of Congress to force a vote to remove the speaker. That was one of the conditions that the Freedom Caucus uh, wrote in. And so, uh, according to two sources familiar with a call from Ken Buck in the, to, well, let's say it's NBC News, so you can't believe that anyway, but Buck towards the end of the call said, it's the elephant in the room. Now, of course, the usual suspects are saying it's too early. We don't know. We're not going to make a threat yet. Instead, let's just see what we can get from McCarthy. It doesn't look good. I mean, I think McCarthy is a, never mind. You knew what I thought about him before he became speaker, and then I gave him a little credit, and then I tried to get on his team, but I just can't. I just can't. He's just a mealy mouth Californian. You don't you you don't you don't have hardcore conservatives in California. You, maybe Daryl Issa, maybe, and even Daryl Issa at times couldn't pull it. The few that there were are are gone, but. Uh, they ought to at least threaten to force McCarthy to amend the bill under an open rule that could stall this passage. And that's what they need to discuss. They're coming back to Washington today. One of the lawmakers on the call who confirmed that Buck suggested using the motion to vacate said of the Biden-McCarthy deal, some people feel this is a complete miss. I'd say there are five or more who would be sympathetic to Buck's position. Well, that ain't enough. Another lawmaker was on the call but did not hear Buck's suggestion, said bluntly, the unity we had is gone. While right-wing members, those would be the guys that I like, have blasted the deal publicly, calling it insanity and a turd sandwich, and <laughs> that'd be Matt Gates, right? And criticizing the scale of the cuts, lawmakers had held back from threatening to oust McCarthy over the agreement. We need fiscal change in Washington. This bad deal isn't the solution. It's actually the opposite, in my opinion, because you can't cave here. You just can't cave here. We're, we're trying to figure out where this party, your, your Republican Party, goes from here, right? Where's it going to go from here? It's not just about, will it be Donald Trump? Will it be Ron DeSantis? Will it be Joe Biden? That's not what it's about. What direction is this country going in? And unfortunately, I don't know. You know, I can't trust a lot of the elected representatives. 
Now, I did want to say, I brought it up, I think it was on Friday. Yeah, I did bring it up on Friday, that they were threatening to impeach Ken Paxton, who is the, uh, was, was the attorney general in the state of Texas. They did it. They started a historic impeachment trial in Texas. I had said then, I didn't know when the last time there was one in Texas, but apparently... Um, it was a long, long time ago, like uh, 30 years ago, maybe even longer. But uh, it's happening. And, you know, this is, this is not good. This is a state that is being infiltrated by a lot of blue state, uh, what do you call them, uh, people fleeing the blue states into Texas. And so you're beginning to see how that's going to make it very challenging for Abbott and for conservatives and for their legislature to govern. And now, of course, you're watching activists having to make statements. You know, the first person to rush to Ken Paxson's defense was Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump is big on loyalty. Ken Paxson was very loyal, remains very loyal to Donald Trump. If I had the president's ear, I would say you are right now the leading contender for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. They are attacking you uh, on the left, on the right, above and below. Do not get in this fight yet because... You just, you got enough. You're fending off enough fights. But of course, I don't have his ear. And apparently, he doesn't even care if the biggies, the big guys, can't make up their mind whether they support him or Ron DeSantis. He still gives them priority treatment. And people like me, eh, you know, back burner, maybe one day he'll come back on uh, shows of uh, the lesser hosts, but it's really a missed opportunity. It really is. I mean, I, I would personally be very reluctant to go on a show where one day you're the presumptive nominee in that talk show host's uh, mouth, and the next day they're bad-mouthing you. I mean, it's Mark Levin, it's Sean Hannity, and you know, okay, okay, you know, I, I understand they have huge audiences, but you know what? That's not how you won the election the first time. It wasn't because of huge audiences, although Rush was still here and that made a very big difference. But it was because of the people. The people got you elected and the people will get you elected again, regardless of what Fox says and, and what, regardless of what NBC and CBS and ABC and CNN and MSLSD and all the rest of them. It doesn't really matter if you get your message to the people who are really sick and tired of being forgotten. You know, the message hasn't changed, Donald. You know, anybody listening to the show who has his ear, the message hasn't changed. The border is porous. China's on the run. Russia's acting crazy. Kim Jong-un is threatening. The message hasn't changed. People are struggling. Credit card debt is at record highs again. People are concerned about the culture war issues. They do not want to see 
little kids in elementary school being read stories that are irrelevant to a child who, by the way, I was just with two kids in elementary school, well, one in elementary, one in preschool, and they don't think about non-binary ever. You know, as a matter of fact, it, it's almost classic, and I haven't been parent of little kids in such a long time, but I do have these grandkids all over the place, and I really saw clearly because the only place I get to see a boy and a girl with the older girl, younger boy, which is a duplicate of what my family was like, was when I go to Derek's house. And let me tell you something right now. Nixie wants to make bows and bracelets, and nobody's encouraging her to do that. Carter wants to crash Hess trucks into brick walls, and nobody's encouraging him to do that, I assure you. They are not, uh, you know, interested in discussing, you know, things like who's binary, non-binary, what's this, who's that. They're not. They're not. They like, they are, they're just clearly very comfortable in their bodies. Sorry. I'm quite sure my kids were very comfortable in their bodies. Derek did love to cook but he was very comfortable in his body. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget to stay right where you are. I got a lot more to talk about, but I, I, my counsel, if I were being asked, would be to stay out of this impeachment trial until we see some of the evidence. Now, it could be trumped up by a bunch of, uh, you know, left-wing lunatics. That would not surprise me, but it could be that, uh, that Ken Paxson really messed up. And if he did... I'm not going to defend him, and neither should the president. So stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Oh, boy. You know, you just uh, you just can't uh, figure out sometimes what what is the, the story that you're most interested in, and your hope is that, of course, somebody like me will bring it up on the air. And over the last couple of weeks, I've been watching this story about uh, going after Clarence Thomas, the Supreme Court Justice, about some vacations and some friend of his, and you know, did he uh, violate his ethics? And you know, who is this Texas billionaire? And blah blah blah. And what little I was able to read was that uh, you know, Clarence Thomas has said, "I'm I'm innocent. You know, there's nothing here. There's no there there." It all started with like a ProPublica probe into him, which found that he had enjoyed certain advantages of a friendship with this billionaire businessman named Harlan Crow. From the moment that the story broke, Mark Paletta has been defending Thomas, and he's been pushing back against Senate Democrats who claimed that this might have been a violation, right? So I said, let me keep reading about this. While I was away, I had a little more time. And I just uncovered that Paletta has a paper trail of receipts that show quite clearly that not only is there not a problem, but that this issue was actually laid to rest 10 years ago. The judicial conference ruling back in 2012 concluded that Clarence Thomas acted properly in not disclosing trips. It also said he complied with ethics laws under the hospitality exception. The Judicial Conference in April of 2012 told Congress that they'd reviewed the allegations against Thomas and concluded that nothing 
has been presented to support the idea that he'd violated anything. But you know what? If you throw enough garbage at the wall over and over and over and over again, some people are just going to start believing it. And that's pretty scary. But if you think it was scary in this instance, let me tell you how scary it's going to become now that we have this insane um, artificial intelligence that we're going to have to be dealing with. And we are going to have to be dealing with it. There's no question. The more I study it and the more I look at it, the more uh, concerned I become. Big headline today was that AI actually poses risk of extinction just as much as nuclear weapons. Now, when I saw that headline, I said, you know what, I can't. I can't, I can't even wrap my mind around that. Now, I know that uh, hundreds of these AI scientists and, hun you know, and tech executives, they all signed a letter that said AI poses an existential threat to humanity. We know that Elon Musk has said it. We know that the uh, Google chief has said it. Um, and, of course, we've heard uh, the Center for AI Safety recently had a statement out that said, Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks such as pandemics and nuclear war. Huh? You know, I don't know about the rest of you, but I've been watching stuff for the last, since I went away. Computer scientists are now posting all kinds of artificial intelligence um, videos photographs, voice tracks, audio tracks. And I don't know how we're going to be able to tell the truth from fantasy. There are a couple that did not sign on to the letter, as a matter of fact, that really concerned me. One of them was the CEO of Google, Sundar Pichai, and the Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella. Now, they are two of the most powerful leaders in the corporate world. And I don't know why they wouldn't be as concerned. You saw all that testimony up on Capitol Hill the other day where all the lawmakers were asking questions and being told that artificial intelligence could cause tremendous harm to the world. Its risky applications include spreading disinformation. And then, I read this weekend, potentially aiding in more targeted drone strikes. Okay, I don't know about the rest of you, but did you see the headline? I think it was uh, um, in a, a British newspaper this morning about kamikaze drones that were fired into Moscow? Kamikaze drones strike in earshot of Putin's palace as mushroom cloud fills sky in worst attack on Moscow since World War II. Right on the heels of me hearing that artificial intelligence will be able to micromanage drone strikes. So 
if a blitz of drones, a swarm of drones, attacks the capital of Russia, right after uh, Zelensky and the Ukraine vowed that they were going to respond to the missile attacks that have been raining down in Ukraine for the last couple of days, all of a sudden you have these kamikaze drones in Moscow and basically explosions all over the place. I mean, I'm looking at these photographs and maps. This looks like a mushroom cloud to me. You know, I'm just saying. According to Pravda, which you can't believe, several were shot down over the plush district of Rublyovka and caused damage and injuries in Putin's backyard. And footage appeared to show one of the drones exploding in a huge mushroom cloud near Yosovo village, which is close to Putin's estate. According to Pravda, again, you don't know how much of that you can believe, a drone was downed in the village of Razdari, just six miles from the palace. A local resident said that would be an earshot of the explosion. Journalist Farida Rustamova said the drone was shot down just a 10-minute drive from the residence in Yusovo. This is the part of Rubliovka where state-owned cottages and private houses of officials and businessmen are located. Now, mind you, there's a journalist in Russia that has not been released. Just saying, you know... The Russian defense minister blamed Kiev, Kiev, whatever they call it now, Kiev, it was always for me, for the terrorist attack on the city. So it, there you have the Russians who invaded Ukraine, a sovereign nation, calling any fire, you know, anybody that fires back at them terrorists. Russia said they shot down five drones and they jammed the systems of three other drones causing them to veer off course. Eight aircraft-type unmanned aerial vehicles were involved in the attack. All enemy drones were hit, according to the uh, Russia sources in Pravda. Has anybody noticed a theme here since uh, Joe Biden took office? Like the world is in flames. And... Everybody is like, you know, busy fighting for non-binary rights. And I'm, I'm sitting here scratching my head and thinking to myself, we are literally on the verge of a world war. Now, I believe it could be circumvented. It could be stopped. But I don't know what the timeline is there. I do know who I think could stop it, but I'm not going to say it because you all know what I think. Think about that. They had an assassination attempt on Putin just about a month ago, right? When the two drones hit the Kremlin. And really, Moscow hasn't been attacked very much. Not when you compare it to the thousands of Ukrainian civilians that have been killed. But Russia launched a pre-dawn attack on Kiev on Tuesday, killing at least one person sending residents scrambling into shelters. And then they, 
a drone onslaught. All of which they say they shot down. I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't think the world can endure another four years of Joe Biden. I don't know if they can get through another year and a half of Joe Biden, to be honest. And I don't know what happens if the Republicans in in the Republican National Party decide to, you know, not help Donald Trump or actually impede Donald Trump from getting the nomination because they want the kinder, gentler Donald Trump. I don't know. But I do know this. I'm not, I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm scared. I'm very, very concerned. Things look really, really as though they were falling apart all over the world. <clears throat> and when America's weak, the whole world suffers. That's just the truth of it. Not China. China doesn't suffer. China's cranking it away. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. 5 o'clock, Matt Walsh. And then 6 o'clock, the WPTV News. And Jen and Bill will be back tomorrow morning. I have one segment left. Stay right where you are. All right. And now comes the portion of the show that always makes maybe half the audience scratch their head and wish that I wouldn't go there. But I can't help it. You know, I had to take years off of watching my favorite sport because of all the nonsense that went on with, uh, you know, uh, mottos on their jerseys and, and, and BLM, you know, written on courts and nobody and people kneeling or not kneeling, whatever. It was just, it, it just turned me off so much that I, I walked away from my favorite sport. I'm not, I don't watch football. I don't, I, I listen to baseball. I'll listen to baseball, but I don't watch it. It's too slow. I don't watch soccer. I apologize to the millions of people around the world who love soccer, but I love basketball. I always have. I've played it. I love college basketball. I love uh, the NBA. I'm not that big a WNBA fan, but, you know, I can watch it. So when the little heat that could is going to the finals, I just have to tell you, I'm a happy camper. Now, granted, my first love is has always been the New York Knicks. It just, you know, was the team I grew up watching. It was my first season's tickets. Loved uh, every one of them and got to see them all when the Heat were playing them in the uh, in the in the uh, playoffs. Look at car. You know, I was watching. Uh, you know, Clyde wearing crazy colored outfits and. Ben Bradley and all those people sitting around. It was fun to watch. Um, and the Heat beat the the Knicks. And I was really torn because my son now, of course, hated the Heat because they beat the Knicks. And he just, it's Knicks all the way with Derek. Although he never lived in New York. But that's a whole other show. Well, he did one summer, I think. But watching the Heat, and the Celtics, now you're talking about the eighth seed heat, was beyond exciting. First, they sweep the first three games, and then you're thinking, this is it? Like, they might sweep, and, and, and wouldn't that be great? But no, the Celtics fight back, and the Celtics win the next 
three games, right? Even here in the Heat's house. And they got to go back for game seven last night in Boston. And when I tell you, oh, and by the way, the, the game before this one, the sixth game, the Heat had it. They had like four seconds left and then somehow managed to lose by one point. So they had to go to Boston. And I, I mean, I was, I was so upset I was shaking. Right? My grandchildren said, like, oh, you're just like daddy. It's not that big a deal, you know, but it is a big deal to me. But now they're going to the finals. And I'm watching these players, right? Of course, Jimmy Butler is a veteran and incredible. But if he's not on, it's very hard to drag that team through without him. And all of a sudden, we got a new star. Aye. I'm just calling it the way I see it. Caleb Martin, a kid who grew up in a roach-infested, single-wide trailer in a Carolina town that's so small, nobody ever heard of it. Throughout his professional career, he's been dogged by disrespect. He went undrafted out of Nevada, partially because NBA teams felt he was too old at 23. And two years after finding a home in the league, the Charlotte Hornets waived him to make room for someone new. Ah, but then on Monday night, he had his turn. He turned the Celtics house into his playground, shooting from long distance, driving to the rim. He made the Boston Celtics defense rue the hours they forgot to account for him. And once the Miami Heat completed its demolition, winning 103-84 to and advancing to the NBA Finals, he finally had earned the respect he deserved. And still, he's a humble guy. He went back to the court wearing a Finals t-shirt over his Black Heat jersey, holding a can of Stella Artois. A team staffer held his beer as he conducted several on-camera interviews with local broadcasters, and once he was done, a handful of them asked for photos, and he obliged, each time ending the interaction by touching his heart. I appreciate y'all, he told the crew from SVN7. When he finally walked off the court, a pair of arena workers extended their fists toward his. Asking an enemy player for a dap is a gesture of admiration. Hey, the young employee said, I got to give him his props. Amazing. You know, that man could not miss a shot. Miami, the little eight seed that could, was simply the better team in this series. It showed in so many ways, but especially because it had, how, how could one team lose two rotational players, bench a starter, and still blow out the second seed on its home floor in game seven because of the depth of that bench and because of good coaching. You know, everybody knows I, dis, I abhor Pat Riley, but Eric Spoltra, he has earned his place in the coaching hall of fame Un. Believable. You know, there were three Martin boys, the identical twins, Caleb and Cody, and their older brother, Raheem. Work, work, work. They were raised by a single mom. She had a 
worked three jobs, and she never gave up, and they neither did the boys. So I just I, I feel good about that. As Eric Spolcher said, this team is not for everybody. If a player desires to take his talents only to South Beach and not to Biscayne Boulevard where the gym is located, he'll be lost within a franchise that strives to be the hardest working, best conditioned, most professional team in the NBA. And then along came Martin, the undrafted, overlooked, rejected player ready to work. It could not have been a better fit. It's been amazing. If you're a real competitor, it's in your soul, like Caleb. That's what it's like. Put him with a Jimmy Butler and a Adebayo, and you win championships. How about that? So I don't know about the rest of you. I'm excited. I'm watching basketball for the first time in a long time, and uh, our home team is in the finals. Now, don't get me wrong. The Nuggets are tough. The Nuggets are tough. So, But it'll be a game. The Heat won't give up. And I am going to watch every game. I would love to be down in the arena, but I was looking at ticket prices like they're in the thousands, and I'll watch from home. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And may God bless you. And may God bless the United States of America. Glad to be home. Going to see you tomorrow. Stay where you are. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.